بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Assalamu alaikum Welcome to the Zaytuna College Ramadan podcast During this blessed month we invite you to join the faculty staff and guests of Zaytuna College as they reflect upon timeless reminders from the Quran and the Islamic tradition Today's episode is by Dr. Selene Ibrahim, a teacher at Groton School's Department of Religious Studies and Philosophy. In this episode, Dr. Ibrahim follows the story of Zuleikha, wife of the Egyptian viceroy, who commits a series of moral errors and only rectifies her mistake when the social situation requires it. Her story teaches us the importance of pursuing redemption, forgiveness, or a change in course. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم آمين. In Quranic stories, the regulation of sexuality appears as a major test for human beings, female and male alike. The wife of the viceroy of Egypt in the Quran is an archetypal woman temptress figure, the only woman figure in the Quran to play this role. At the same time, the Qur'an gives examples of seven women who are mindful about their decorum. But it also gives us an example of a woman who exceeds all appropriate boundaries. In the figure of the wife of the Egyptian viceroy, we see a woman who is a willing adulteress. Rather than fortifying herself, she invites Joseph. This woman may be proactive in her moral sexual pursuits, However, she stands in stark contrast to a number of other women who pursue sexual relations through lawful means or who avoid transgression in potentially compromising situations. Mary, for instance, is a woman celebrated for her chastity. When a strange intruder enters her private quarters, she seeks refuge from Allah Ta'ala al-Rahman. The contrast between Mary and the wife of the viceroy is stark. Mary seeks refuge in God when a man figure suddenly appears in her private chamber, and the viceroy's wife seeks to lock a man in her chamber. Mary seeks refuge in God from someone. The wife of the viceroy causes someone, causes Yusuf to seek refuge in God. The viceroy's wife attempts to have an affair with a virtuous young man and then accuses him of attempted fornication. Mary is chaste, but then she is accused of impropriety by her people. The comparisons continue. In the case of the viceroy's wife, a witness from among her family points to the presence of physical evidence against her in the form of Yusuf's torn shirt. It's torn from the back as he tried to escape her. In the case of Maryam, her son defends her honor by testifying as an infant that he was not the result of an illicit affair and that indeed he is a prophet of God. Moses' eventual wife is another example that contrasts with the example of Zuleikha, with the wife of the vizier. Moses, like Yusuf, was stranded and far from home, and one of the sisters in Median seemingly falls for this strong, trustworthy young man, a future prophet of God. But unlike the wife of the voice, viceroy who feels an attraction to Yusuf, the sister in Median acts with discretion and pursues her interest through licit means. She advocates for her interest, or alternately her sister advocates for her interests. 
And the Quran depicts for us in these two women a positive example of female desire and collaboration. Yet we do the lessons in the Yusuf story a disservice if we only focus on female desire. Dynamics between the socially powerful and the wrongfully oppressed are a driving force in this surah. This is evident, for instance, when Yusuf is imprisoned by the sovereign, even in light of the clear physical evidence that supports his innocence and his good faith efforts to resist and flee from the advances of the viceroy's wife. In Yusuf, we have a young man, but we also have a person who represents several socially disadvantaged identities that make him particularly vulnerable to exploitation. He was subjected to violence as a youth, displaced and forced into migration when his brothers abandoned him for dead in a well. He was enslaved. He was a youth in a foster situation without family protections. And he was an ethnic minority, a Hebrew under an Egyptian aristocracy. The women in the city even refer to Joseph, Yusuf, and they to them by highlighting his youth and his status as a slave boy when they gossip about him. The wife of the viceroy not only follows her lusts, but then also exacerbates her moral failings by initially distorting the truth and deciding to not admit to her wrongdoing until years later when she testifies against herself when put under social pressure. At several junctures, the viceroy's wife and others in influential positions, including her husband, declined to do justice. Even the women in the city who witnessed firsthand the pressure that the viceroy's wife exerted on Yusuf still enabled the exploitative dynamic. They did not stand up for the vulnerable individual who was threatened and placed in a compromising situation by a politically influential person. This is a poignant lesson for our times. The viceroy of Egypt even blames the situation on the guile of women generally. In our contemporary context, his attitude parallels that of the boys will be boys type mentality that excuses men who have been indecent. The Quranic narration makes clear that Yusuf's punishment was an intentional, not accidental oversight of justice. The Quran highlights that the impetus to exert power over the vulnerable and cover potential scandals rather than pursue the truth with upright intentions and integrity is endemic to the human condition. It also points to the role of enablers. In this story, the husband and the women in the town in this case of sexual coercion and domination. Again, we have poignant lessons for our times. At the end of this Quranic narrative, the wife of the viceroy redeems herself to some extent. She does testify against herself and affirms Joseph's good character. It takes her years, and it only comes about because of Yusuf's, Joseph's assistant message from his prison cell. And eventually, the testimony of her consorts eventually exonerate Yusuf. But the wife of the viceroy does eventually take the morally correct course of action by finally admitting her culpability. She has taken an important first step in her own redemption. Ultimately, we don't know anything more about her fate from the Quranic narrative. However, the larger arc of the surah is one of redemption and forgiveness, as demonstrated by the final scene of the story of the prophet Yusuf, in which his family Yaqub, and including his mother, are all peacefully and joyously reunited. In this blessed month, may we remember the rights of the migrants, the enslaved, 
those justly imprisoned, those sexually exploited, and those without social protection. May we be steadfast maintainers of justice, witnesses for God, whether it be against ourselves, our parents, our kinfolk, and whether it be against someone rich or poor. May we follow not our caprice, our hawet, such that we may act justly. Certainly Allah subhanahu is aware of all that we do. May we be quick to hold ourselves into account on matters of justice and not delay. May we take full responsibility for our mistakes and not try to shift the blame onto others. May we learn to speak truth even when it is difficult and not use our speech to deceive or oppress. May our family members, any of those who are estranged from each other, find reconciliation. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our fasting. Rabbina ayatina fi dunya hasnata wa fil akhirati hasnata wa qina dhab nar wa akhir dawana inna alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa salat wa salam ala rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ameen. Thank you for listening to the Zaytuna College Ramadan Podcast. Help root Islamic scholarship in the soil of America by visiting zaytuna.edu forward slash support.